Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Caddy Cube Tuesday. Today with Nick Ranger, the delightful, the wonderful, and the super-duper intelligent who's going to talk about something that I had never thought about before, semantically-driven site architecture. <laughs> and today, we're going to give it a go with a slide deck. So anybody listening in on audio, either this is going to be brilliant because we're going to describe it so well, mm. or it's going to be a bit confusing. Either way... And you get the song. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it is definitely going to be interesting. So anyone who's listening out there who um, doesn't kind of get it, I'm really, really sorry just as a little caveat right now. But we'll, um, I'll do my best to just basically describe what's on the slides um, and I'll make them available, of course, after this. Ooh, and we can even make it available on the withdrosenbarnard.com website, all part of the Mad CaliCube experiments about doing a Disney on our brand set. But before we get started the song... <laughs> A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Nick Ranger. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, Jason, for um, for having me. Um, I feel super lucky. The last time we did this, um, we were in London, of all places, um, and also my first time in London, so super happy to be on the show again um, and really excited to get into it. Right, yeah, and last time we were in London and we were singing, I think we were singing Happy Birthday to, to Peter Mead. Yeah. Who, yeah. In, interesting enough, intriguing enough and surprisingly enough, was the last person who booked a ticket for this on Eventbrite. So I assume Peter <laughs> is there. Hello, Peter. Welcome. Glad to have you on board. Hey, Peter. Thank you so much for spending, um, spending the evening with me and um, just kind of like hearing my thoughts before this presentation as well. So... Yeah, he's a good friend. Right. So he's hiding out in the background somewhere. Oh, no, no. He's gone home. It's one in the morning here. <laughs> For anyone listening, I'm in Melbourne, um, Australia, and, of course, like, it is 1 a.m. here. But, um, again, super excited. Doesn't matter. Ranger, the, the, the person that I always, always, always see at 1 o'clock in the morning, because you're the only person in Australia willing to get up <laughs> and stay up all night to do these webinars at U.S. and European times. Anyway. We always start off with a little brand set, and we've got your brand set up here, and I was mm -hmm. terribly, terribly pleased that you've got a, a, a mini uh, uh, C results about. There you go, Nick Ranger, and you're an event, apparently. Um, awesome. So, Nick Ranger, you've got the Twitter <laughs> account, and you've got the CaliCube uh, entity using the WordLift plugin, and on the right-hand side, we've got Nick Ranger, who's an event, and what's really interesting, I've put big red arrows for people mm -hmm. who can't see this, who are listening on audio. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, location CaliCube, and it points to CaliCube's head office and the source. Mm. And what's interesting there, if we go to the next slide, is that it's citing a source for that information, which is a web fact, what Google is calling web fact. And if you can't see this graph, and I do now realize that criticizing Nick for having brought along a slide deck, I'm doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> so fair days, we're both just as unreasonable about audio listeners as each other. But what we can see is a blue line that goes straight across at 60% curated knowledge, which is basically the human created curated knowledge that Google has built over the last few years. The red line, which goes straight at 40% until May, and then it drops off sharply down to 25%. And that's free base entries. And then the web facts, which is basically what the machine has found online and decided is true, and cites sources for more often than not, but not always, uh, has gone along at 4% and has suddenly leapt up to 12% since May, which means, in my humble opinion, that Google's letting the machine loose and the machine is now gathering these web facts. And if you didn't have an entity home and you weren't building up Google's understanding of your entity and all the attributes of that entity, mm -hmm. hi, Peter Mead, by the way, you should be now because Google is letting the machine decide what the facts about your company, your business, your person, your book, your podcast are. And it's putting these web facts in those knowledge panels. Time to take control because... Over the last two months, the number of web facts in knowledge panels or the percentage of web, fa web facts in knowledge panels has doubled, tripled almost. I thought you'd find that exciting. You look not as excited as I had hoped. <laughs> to be honest, it could it just could be the early morning hours and also for the fact that um, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I have not paid attention to my personal brand whatsoever um, <laughs> oh, wow. um, and maybe like more worried about like my, my clients. <laughs> Right, well, um, I more than make yeah. up for the fact that you don't look after yours because I look after mine far too much. 
we're, we're, we're one a.m. in Australia. Nick is mm -hmm. looking surprisingly bright and cheerful, and she's going to talk to us about semantically driven site architecture, which I can't even say. What I did like about this is how excited you were about this topic. And I really don't know what it means. And I purposefully didn't look it up, purposefully didn't research it, because I think it's all original research that you've done yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's a, a few little new concepts that, um, to, be, to be honest, like I think um, I was talking to Dixon Jones before, and I think he sort of said it's, it's quite well, like um, to stop thinking about keywords and maybe and to start thinking um, in entities. And I think, like thinking about um, like how to how to organize your your thoughts and, and um, information like that. Um, yeah, I have put together like I, I guess like a little bit of new <laughs> information. So yeah, I will get into it. Um, um, so yes, we can see those right. slides there. Awesome. Sure. I mean, I, I love the point about thinking in entities. I mean, I think about entities mm. as in the brand certain how Google represents, how Google understands mm. the entity. Uh, and I tend to focus on the, the kind of high level entities like people and brands and companies and books. Whereas mm. there are within any brand and with any person loads or with any person's um, what's the word environment, loads and mm. loads of entities to be thinking about. And we should actually be thinking holistically, and I hate the word, but I'm going to say it again, holistically about <laughs> entities around an entity in order to be able to explain ourselves. And you're now applying that to site architecture. Now, I'll let you get, get on with your delightful, carry on with your delightful uh, presentation. If I think this might not be clear to audio listeners, I will interrupt and describe in my finest prose what we're saying. <laughs> I have no doubt. Awesome. Um, Thanks, Jason. All right, well, just a little bit of information about me. My name is Nick Ranger. I'm a senior technical lead at Studio Hawk. Um, I also love to work with Peter Meads with um, SEMrush um, for Australian Search Marketing Academy. And um, I'm also the chair of um, SEO Collective here in Melbourne, Australia. And that's basically just a, um, <laughs> a volunteer-run initiative where we basically just want to share information and um, not have site owners sort of like, you know, be scared off with a paywall or anything like that. Basically just a, a good collaboration of really, really um, awesome um, SEOs and PPCs and, um, and, you know, other experts that just want to volunteer their time to be able to help out people. So that's what SEO Collective is. Um, and just a couple of other, other nice things about me and, um, also, I, I'm an owner of a dog, so um, a lot of this will be <laughs> kind of like dog related as, um, as I sort of like organize this information. Um, we have a picture of a dog it. called Poppy surrounded by the biggest, reddest, cartooniest hearts in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely beautiful. She's a greyhound. So that's all you need to know. All right, she's let's a black get into it. Greyhound. She is. She is. Which is kind of strange <laughs> to say, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, also to um, for anyone who is curious, or probably not at all, but there's um, a, a lot of Simpsons memes in here because um, I I like I like Simpsons memes. So if there's any, uh, if there's another reason to go and like check out the deck after this, um, yeah, check out the memes associated with this. Homer Simpson, uh, Rib Watch. All right. So the concept is, um, uh, I, I suppose, like like site architecture. And um, the methodology um, is using like semantically driven data to inform us what structures we can build with that. So um, that's kind of like the concept that I'm really wanting to to, to start to look at and, and break down. So um, essentially like using like a semantic approach to solving business problems, like I'm, I'm thinking like we can be able to manage data in a way that's optimized for capturing as much real estate within relevant search intent associated with pages across our site. Um, and then of course, then we can then design it for the user experience. So conceptually, this is really what I'm wanting to, to, um, to discuss today. So um, taking a massive step back, um, you know, why, why, why do this at all? And um, really that's just because like Google Shift is, um, um, is shifting away from answers to, um, to journeys. And um, of course there was that um, wonderful 
um, Google post. I'm just citing here um, again. Uh, this is like it's the how intent is redefining the market funnel. So um, essentially, like Google uses um, um, AI to be able to better understand language that users use when they search. So um, essentially, like like Google and Bing are becoming like um, the semantic search engines, and to really like figure out like that. Uh, how that can be done is that it basically is just recognizing that people find information from all different angles and it just kind of like goes through what that looks like. So again, um, like I basically just took one of the examples from that blog and just kind of like broke it down. So um, um, with this one, when you're just sort of like looking for queries and things like that, you, you're going to start off with a pretty like um, like discovery search unless you really, really know what you're looking for. Just Generally, to cut in there, two things. Number no. one is the search is pressure in my head. Why do I feel my head is heavy? <laughs> Headphones, headache. And we have a Simpsons uh, mimic, and it is completely not necessary to understand the slide. But it's lovely. <laughs> It's hilarious. I yeah, <laughs> I put them in there mainly to make me laugh. So again, like <laughs> and it works. Teams are, are here, but again, like when we're when we're just thinking about this now, um, this is this is a transactional journey um, that I'm just using as an example here. But uh, again, like um, when you when you're sort of first starting to look at it, like you know, why is my head heavy? Um, and you know, headphones and headaches and things like that. So you're pretty much like having a bit of a pain point. Already, so that's kind of like a more of like in that informational journey, um, like like I'm having an issue. So then, like your your search starts to get a little bit more qualified as you're learning more information about like what um, what the symptoms are, or like maybe what you're need needing, and so maybe it's actually the headphones that are intrinsically the problem. So now your intent is going to change from informational to commercial. Because essentially, like, you're just kind of, like, starting to really, really qualify that a little bit more. So um, so now, like, you might be looking, like, okay, well, like, should I'm just going to get some headphones. So, you know, what are some, um, you know, like, cheap wireless headphones that I can find? Or um, maybe maybe I should kind of, like, get something a little bit more um, higher end. So what are some good reviews about, like, a brand that I'm aware of? Right, and um, interestingly and here you're showing videos which indicates that Google are actually showing multiple ways of consuming this information mm. and informing oneself. You've got those really simple blue links, and then you've got these videos where yeah. it's saying, does it suck uh, looking at cheap wireless headphones and what are the best headphones for $20? And all of these are on YouTube offering this kind of viewing experience, mm -hmm. multimedia thing that Google's going for. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, thanks, Jason. That um, Again, that really just highlights that there are so many different ways that people go through and be able to access information. And, and just from an organic standpoint, um, just accessing the SERP um, search engine results page or accessing YouTube is generally like, you know, places that people go to to be able to find more qualified information. So, um, this process is like using like deep learning models to really provide that contextual and relevant results to user queries as it's sort of getting a little bit more qualified. Like now I'm, now I'm like understanding a little bit more about like what I now need to do. So, um, you know, like headphone brand A, B, C, like now I'm actually like thinking like, okay, actually I want something a little bit more higher end um, because I'm just kind of done with a, a poor experience with my headphones. So you're looking at like higher end runs and now doing comparison again, the search intent is is exactly the, the same. Like it's more of like that commercial intent, and of course you've made your decision um, and you've you've chosen a um, yeah, you've chosen a, like essentially a, a, a trustworthy vendor to be able to go through, be able to purchase that. Um, happy days. If, so, I, if I may just reiterate what you've said mm -hmm. is that through a journey, which is saying I've got a problem with my head hurt, my head feels mm -hmm. heavy. Headphones are a potential solution. Now I'm going to invent, investigate these different headphones that perhaps that I've already got and why they might be mm -hmm. bad and which ones might possibly be better. Then I go yeah. through and figure out which ones do I need to pay a lot of money, do I not need to pay a lot of money, which ones are worth it, which ones aren't. Then I've decided to buy, make my purchase on Deb's desktop, and the journey is complete. 100%. So it goes all the way from informational to commercial to sort of like transactional intents. Um, and there's, I've just like basically just mapped out all the different types of intent, but really looking back to it, like, um, journeys as a unique, 
um, as each consumer. This this is kind of where um, again it's like moving away from that like answer model, um, that keywords model to like okay, well now we're um, considering like a whole um, a whole uh, like topic of um, like queries. <laughs> There are, there are so many that is that is that is there, and so you know when we're considering like informational intent, um, you know that's that's really just trying to like further like simplify like showing results. Like just give information about a specific term. Uh, I didn't talk about it, but uh, um, navigational intent, like you know where people are, are maybe like wanting to to actually find something. So. Um, you might want to visit a specific website. So, um, you know, they're on their way to like maybe like a Facebook or something like that. Um, and then, of course, like um, commercial intents where, you know, people have the intention to buy in the near future and want to use, um, you know, want to, you know, do some more qualified searching to, to get some more information. So, um, yeah, like which is the most helpful, which is best, like those kinds of things are um, really in that kind of commercial intent where it's, you know, um, qualifying it better. And of course, transactional intent, which is, you know, like typically things where, you know, people can be able to go to these pages, be able to, to be able to buy. Um, yeah. The four levels of intent, pretty basic, but I think I just like want to <laughs> establish where I'm coming from. No, I, I really so, like it. I mean, that kind of the, the, the four different intents are, are incredibly important. And that idea of a journey from information to commercial, to maybe navigational, and then on to mm. transactional is an incredibly important journey that we forget. And we often aim for these incredibly ambiguous, big volume terms. And perhaps we should be breaking it all down and saying, well, which ones am I actually looking to aim for initially? And now what you're saying, I can see we have a house that's falling apart uh, on the Simpsons, <laughs> and you're, you've got site structure written on it, which is probably indicative of pretty much every site in the world today is they all look like this terribly dilapidated Simpsons house falling apart and it should be built better and it should be built on the idea of semantics and intent. Precisely because in the real world you know as you see every day as I see in a lot of a lot of other um, like SEOs like you know most of the time information is not um, is is unstructured and available in different silos and understanding the mechanisms of um, semantic search, we are offered an opportunity to be able to leverage different tools and things like that that exist out there. Um, that we we can basically take um, that that um, purchasing journey, that um, customer journey, and be able to like map out what it will look like with our site structure. So that's really um, the two the two concepts that I'm wanting to marry there. So. Genius. Like when it comes to building sites, though, like, <laughs> you know, often the most questions come from how to structure out sites and what's like both logical and practical and scalable. Um, and, you know, for all, for, for us, like, it's really important to like be able to now know like how to communicate these ideas. And I think one of the things that is the most challenging for us as an SEO is um, to be able to communicate these complex ideas very succinctly um, and also not take a million hours manually mapping all this stuff out. So um, this is sort of now where I'm where I'm leading to. So you'll be super familiar with this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry, just to come back very quickly, this this comes back yeah. to intelligent laziness that Hannah Thorpe was talking about a couple of weeks ago. And I think we all agree <laughs> if we can spend less time, be a bit lazy mm -hmm. about it, but still come up with the same results, we're all going to be happy. And that's what this is all about. Is that the case, Nick Ranger? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I work within an agency and of course, like we're always trying to get the best results with the most lean amount of time. It's just like the function of any, um, you know, good engine. Like it's always working towards, um, you know, the best efficiency model that it can, that it can work around. Right. Well, I um, like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm giving a talk um, in two days and I'm going to, I'm going to steal that and quote you. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so, of course, like Jason, you're you're super familiar with this. Again, I'm just speaking to anyone who is listening to this. 
But um, like when we when we're like looking at all of this, of course, you know, we've got the knowledge graph, which is the the center of the entire construct, and it's just this enormous da database of information that basically like enables Google to start um, providing immediate factual answers, um, you know, like to different queries and things like that. And of course, as we saw from mine, um, I didn't really see too many things that were relevant to me, so that maybe is pretty indicative of me doing basically no work to um to like you know build any understanding um in google's eyes about who i am um so um again like this is this is kind of like where it is starting to lead towards um and then of course like things are then like broken down into uh, um, ontologies so you know they're like ontologies like they're the formal like represent representations of how set concepts within a, like um, like a site and the relationships between those concepts, just to kind of like broadly speak that. Well, well I mean, within um, a site, you would tend to think of categorization. Yes, 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, like within those ontologies, we've got entities. Like um, they're very distinct and like they have their independent of like existences existence within those on in um within those ontologies and they have like um their own little attributes like characteristics or traits that um sort of like make up that that um entity type um right. and of and course yeah sorry, sorry Alina, no. look, looking at your diagram you've got a knowledge graph right in the middle and then you've got lots yeah. of ontologies around it each containing entities each of which <laughs> has attributes which is absolutely delightful diagram and it does show I me mean, the knowledge graph is google's understanding of the world it's a machine readable mm -hmm in real time encyclopedia that is so massive we can't begin to imagine how big it is and it's going to end up understanding pretty much everything in the in the world that, that's accessible on the on the web and you've got the attributes there and that's the what we were talking about right at the beginning is little by little these attributes are going to be appearing next to the entities in those knowledge panels in google search mm. increasingly decided by the machine which means that you have to get this right so what you're actually talking about fits in incredibly well in a, in a very detailed and very important general SEO sense to what we were talking about at the beginning, what I was talking about with the uh, web facts around your name. Yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate, um, you know, that breakdown of it because I think, you know, when we're talking about these different terms, I kind of wanted to um, like just break it down and, and just go through and like yeah. re-explain what they are and how they function um, and they, how they're related to one another because I think, um, when we're talking, uh, like when we say like knowledge graph, when we say entity, when we say um, ontology, when we say um, like um, semantics and semantic relationships, um, again, for a lot of people out there, um, especially coming from an agency, we are not familiar with this kind of terminology. We don't use it in our day to day. And of course, if we were to go into a client meeting with this kind of um, terminology, um, they basically tell us to um, get our heads out of the books and just tell us something real. <laughs> so again, um, from a conceptual point of view, I think it's so important to understand how this works and how this functions. But again, like how this actually can be applied to things that we like, you know, to the the traditional SEO that's you know starting to really transform their thinking um, and methodologies to again go from keyword to entity understanding and and um like how that how that's going to work for them on a day-to-day -day basis Wonderful. so uh, again like looking at semantics like semantics like you know that's like the um entities and um ontologies like you know that's the most important <laughs> like um you know fundamental semantic structure is is those two things um and i think like when we're when we're looking at how these will will go through, um, we can look at now looking at like massive keyword lists and considering like, okay, well, you know, how does that sort of translate? Like, I will, I understand like for my my brand, my business, there are lots of um, massive ontologies, or maybe even like maybe just even one or two or a few. Um, again, like I, I work on pretty large sites these days. Um, so again, this is really su super helpful for me to organize my mind around how I'm going to, um, how I'm going to like, you know, basically proceed with like a, a internal linking structure. But um, for your ontology, that could be very much like your entire keyword um, 
list, just a, just a keyword list. And within that list, there are so many different things that um, that are relevant and not relevant with all varying um, amounts of different search intent. So now breaking that down, how do we bridge the gap between what I just said, like with the between the content and the website? So like I was saying before, um, I've got a, a graph here that kind of goes through and explains this a little bit more, but um, your ontology is essentially like your 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 niche like keyword research, like but all of it, all of that yeah. list. You haven't really gone through, you haven't clarified it, you haven't broken it down. Um, so again, like this is now like taking like an ontology basically identifies and distinguishes concepts and their relationships. We like we love that, um, and now we can like start to form them into taxonomies. Now taxonomies are, are essentially just. Um, like taking that and organizing them into lists and things like that. Um, again, terminology, if you, if anyone listening is not familiar with it, I'm just, that's basically what it is. And I'm well, just I'm, keep- I'm looking at your delightful slide and it basically says my ontology is a niche keyword research. I've got my list of keywords, then I divide them into informational, commercial, navigational, mm-hmm. transactional, and I've done my yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Now, for a lot of us, we do this manually, right? Um, But again, like our lovely friends at WordLift are doing some pretty amazing things. And um, so we can can do this in two ways. We can continually to take out those lists, um, like qualify them by breaking them down into search intent and then from there, um, like, um, breaking them down even further and and clustering them, or we can um, basically use something like this, which is now like understanding like the um, semantic different uh, distance between these terms in the text. So um, basically, what I've what I've got on here, if no one can see it. Wordlift is um, a really really great um, hmm. company that uh, <laughs> is doing um, is doing some really um, honestly like some pretty phenomenal work. Um, with um, machine learning and helping um, really start to like, I guess, organize information um, for your websites using like its massive databases. Um, I'm not explaining this very well, and I know Jason, <laughs> you've um, you've delved into this a lot more than than I have. But well, in um, fact, not this part, to be honest. I use WordLift a lot for the schema markup and for organizing my entities, as you were saying earlier on. Thinking, what have I got? And how do I divide them into their different ontologies? And that's mm-hmm. fundamentally important is what have I got? Where does it belong? And what are its mm-hmm. relationships to the other things I've got and the places mm-hmm. they belong? Um, and that's what WordLift does incredibly well. But this this particular part, no, I haven't really looked at it. So please do explain. Yeah, this is um this is pretty this is pretty new, I think, um, from um Andrea Volpini and the team at WordLifts. Um, and I've um, been having a lot of fun going through and being able to test it for for different cases for, um, over the last few months. Hence why I'm really excited to, <laughs> to sort of like talk about this today. But um, essentially, like with large keyword lists, um, this is um, a way to basically just go through and be able to classify and automate um, the split out of the intent. Pretty cool, right? Yep. So like say, for example, I have um, just like dog and again, it's very, very broad. Um, so many different variations of um, like it's related keywords um, to do with like you know the primary topic um, dog, right? Um, now this is going through and understanding like okay, like if we're for this keyword, um, you know, dog beds, like generally this is like a transactional like intent, like you know, and you can be able to replicate this, put it into the SERP and. Um, you know, see that like, oh, if I put in dog beds, it's not about information about, it's actually like people want to buy that. That makes a ton of sense. Now, that basically just takes that and then just does that automatically. This took this took literally like maybe a minute to do. Um, and it just did like, you know, 300 um, different queries. And, and what's interesting there, in fact, is that dog beds is not immediately, obviously, a transactional query. Uh, a trans- with transactional intent, but what these machines do incredibly well is use the corpus of text around it and the context mm-hmm. and the other related keywords to understand which ones are most likely to be the transactional ones. So just looking at the words and thinking, oh, I can probably make this up as I go along because I'm super smart and I know how people think is probably <laughs> not a great way of doing it because these machines have got loads more data, loads more information, mm-hmm. loads more context than you do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with with these labels, with these classifications, the better you define those labels, like the more that it gets right. Um, I did a lot of different tests which were <laughs> which absolutely failed and um, broke um, like Andrea's beautiful, beautiful um, spreadsheet. <laughs> Um, but, but again, like this is, this is super, super interesting concept to be able to have a list of keywords, be able to put in different variables. Um, it goes through and understands, um, the relationship between those, those terms, um, or queries or basically like literally anything else that you want to be able to go through and be able to test, um, and show what that relationship is from its understanding. So, um, this is again where like I'm thinking, my gosh, this kind of work would take hours. Now it's minute, like two minutes. Crazy. Right? So So in fact, you being lazy, intelligently lazy, if I might say, <laughs> is actually Andrea Volpini from Wordless and his team being incredibly hard working. So you're lazy is they're working. <laughs> yes. Yes. How lovely. <laughs> Poor Andrea. Yeah. Um, and, but like, I have, I have so much, so much respect for him and his whole team, like doing this kind of testing and things like that. And to be honest, like there are, you know, there's other people out there that are building similar tools to this. Like I know, um, uh, Dana Chaz, um, from Twitter, like he's built out, um, like in um, Google Colab, like Python models that do something very similar to this. Um, and I've had a look at those and um, again, like yeah, putting in to, things. To, 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 sorry to drop another name. Authoritas have yeah. got a great thing where they've work where they're working out um, intent uh, according to the rich SERP elements that are found on a page, which is actually a really nice, smart way of doing it. So uh, with Authoritas, I'm using them for the, the SERP. Uh, API, which is absolutely brilliant, which is why their logo is on that thing at the beginning, because they're giving me that data about web facts and about the trusted sources mm. that Google has for the knowledge panels. And one thing they do throw back is this intent based on the SERP features that appear on any given search query. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that, that we have great, such man. a rich community, right? <laughs> <laughs> we have such a wonderful, rich community of um, like really, really smart, intelligent, and very, um, you know, generous people wanting to share what they know and just yeah. see, put um, put information out there and just see what people do with this. And um, again, this is this is why I've sort of like taken these concepts and, and um, you know, tried to marry them up together um, and be able to do this. So but that's exactly what you're doing is taking incredible insights that you've worked on on your own and you're sharing it with everybody to see what they do with it. So you're a very kind and generous person too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yeah. Well, I think um, so. I've I've done a little bit of of testing with this because um, I I thought like oh, this is this is really really great. But like at the, at the end of the day, like um, you know, conceptual to practical, there is um, a million different things that can either go wrong or um, there's just a lot of learning that comes from doing that sort of process. So um, this is actually something that I've gone through and tested with. Um, I think two clients now um, where um, I've basically gone through and, and, and done this methodology of um, having like my keyword list and being able to like split it up by intent. Um, and then from those different intents, um, map out what that's then going to look like. Um, and, and sorry, just to interrupt you, Daniel, quickly just ask, how can you access that tool that you were talking about from WordLift, which is a spreadsheet? Answer is <laughs> uh, tag Andrea Volpini, Cyber Andy, or at WordLift IT on Twitter. Uh, ask him about it, and he will, I'm sure, gladly share information and insights and potentially the tool. Yeah, and um, I, I definitely made sure that I had, um, you know, his AOK to, um, you know, speak about this publicly right. <laughs> before I before I did this, of course. Um, but yeah, massive shout out to to him and his team. So, which yeah. I mean, it's not public, so that's why I said potentially share the the, the tool with yes. you. Yes. But he will certainly share his knowledge. He's a very generous person for that. And yeah, we just got a clap from, I think that was <laughs> Anton. He's got the clap, um, <laughs> the clapometer going. Anyway, off we go. Keep going. That's awesome. So, again, like, you know, taking this, I wanted to be able to go through and be able to test what that would, what that would look like. So, um, so taking, taking, um, uh, like an ability to be able to very, very quickly um, look at large keyword lists, 
um, be able to split them down um, and um, separate them out again and again and again and basically use that as, as a methodology to be able to start to filter out um, and qualify these lists so that you're now left with smaller and smaller but more um, more topically relevant clusters of um, different queries. So um, again, this is this is this is like where we can now go through and be able to test this with um, applying this to maybe like um, like a different site structure. So um, like I've, I'm in the process of doing quite a few site migrations, and um, it was with one of my clients' wishes. Um, that we go through and basically organize um, organize their site structure in, in a way that's a lot more meaningful. Um, this was a bit of a task because the site structure that we looked at um, basically was not organized with any human readable uh, text. <laughs> it's basically numbers. Um, and and again, like this was like a bit of a nightmare to sort of look at look at this and be like, well, you know, how do we go through? How do we organize? Um, you know, all of this, all of this content, um, but also like have a little bit of freedom as to like, okay, well, like we can kind of like create a structure that does make a little bit more sense. So let's use this methodology to see about doing this a little bit quicker. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, you know, we'll just sort of like, you know, put that aside. Um, so yeah, again, like this is, this is something that we've, we've gone through and been able to do. So Right, and in, in um, this slide, I, I actually see a, a, a graphic, which is a traditional <laughs> organigram of site structure with a homepage with the categories and the subcategories <laughs> and the page at the bottom, and it's all color-coded according to intent. Um, yes, it is, except I'm now just realizing that when I made this, I didn't um, make it with the same types of colors that I used. <laughs> so um, maybe ignore the colors for this one. Um, anyway, but, but that's the, not the, I mean, the idea is that, I mean, I understood looking at it that you were, I, mean, I, I hope, trying to organize it or yes. looking at that color coding show intent. And it's actually a really nice view of a site architecture. Uh, of looking at kind of what kind of intent am I looking mm -hmm. at with this page? And it would help me then focus on what I'm trying, what I need to say on that page, what information I need to give, how mm -hmm. I need to address the user's problem or question on that page to satisfy their intent, which is beautiful. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm I think, um <laughs> Yeah, when when starting out and, um, you know, creating this from, from – um, you know, basically clusters of key of keywords. Like I think um, I don't want to say the word rule because I think that, you know, people sort of their ears prick up and they're like, oh, okay, we have to do this and only this. Everything in SEO has caveats. Um, and, you know, this is why it depends is like the most used phrase um, in, in, in our, um, you know, in SEO. So um, again, when we're thinking about web, um, like site architecture, like it's really about how information is organized and prioritized around your site. So like navigationally, like using breadcrumbs, like um, like with the menu structure, like URLs, sitemaps, um, like they really do go through and be able to help search engines understand your site structure. Um, now, when I'm saying this, like, uh, again, like in this particular case, we used it, um, we've used it in two different ways. One was um, changing the URL structure and the other one was actually using um, like this to be able to model out like our internal link structure. So um, that's basically just helping to like really emphasize like which pages are more important around your website. Um, and, that, and that's really, really sort of, um, you know, quite good. So um when when basically taking those those keywords and organizing it, um, I wanted to kind of have like you know some very very clear signals that we were always going to have like um, being built out onto these pages. So I, I, again, like metadata, super important. The heading structure, um, at least the H1 to have like that keyword in there. Um, having a primary keyword associated with every single um, page is so so important. Um, because that primary page basically is a really, really great way to make sure like there is a purpose for this page and I know that I'm not going to be cannibalizing it with anything else because um, that intent is pretty clear. It's very well defined. And that one primary keyword has its own set of like semantic really related um, like secondary keywords that are also kind of like there, um, you know, um, in, in the background, um, you know, giving it a little bit of, of, of credence like to that 
to that entity, to that topic. So again, like having that, uh, having one like a, like main topic or keyword associated with a page is pretty pretty important. Um, and again, just like having that in the meta title, um, the H1, um, having that mentions in the body paragraph and making that really nice and succinct. Um, and again, with our URL change, we just also put that keyword into the URL as well because. Um, <laughs> like from testing, I think we can see like some um, good impacts from actually putting the URL, the keyword in the URL. Well, I mean, I would argue whether whether Google likes it or not doesn't actually matter. As a human being, I like to see the words that I'm mm. actually associating with a page in the in the URL. Um, so mm. I would always suggest do it just because it's good for humans. Whether it's good or not for Google is, you know. Great yeah. if it is, if it isn't, who cares? It doesn't matter because I've been doing it for the humans. And one other thing I'd say is that idea, I mean, the keyword, one keyword, main keyword per page, I would actually suggest as well, writing a sentence that represents mm -hmm. that word within the context of the intent you're looking at would be an yeah. incredibly good exercise to help you to really focus and make sure you don't mm. kind of cross your wires across different pages. And it would really support your de delightful color coding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and like writing out the sentence, like, you know, having that in like that being able to be mentioned in like the body paragraph text is, is, is quite perfect. Cause like generally speaking, like, um, like once you selected that, then you can sort of figure out what your supporting content is going to be around that. Like um, your supporting content are like, you know, your terms that are around your topic. So like, you know, questions that people would, would be able to ask, like, for example, if you're selling a particular product, like, then does this come in different sizes? Like, um, like, uh, like, or is it come in like, you know, different types, like, you know, like of materials, um, you know, um, like all, all kinds of different variations of, of like supporting, um, like qu what queries around that one main, um, you know, topic. So, um, again, this is, this is sort of like now starting to think about like, okay, um, you know, what is the intent of this page and, like what are the kinds of things that are relevant to that? And like from doing those um, those qualified lists, you kind of have a really, really good idea of like what is kind of like within that pool um, to, to choose from. So this is where it can, can go. And uh, I think I go through and explain this a little bit more in like with this slide. So um, so I basically have a graph that is explaining my words. <laughs> <laughs> um, to audio listeners. So again, like when we're thinking about this, we've got like that nice topic cluster. Like um, I've got a very, very clear transactional intent. Um, we did this for um, an, an e-commerce store. So it was really pretty easy to be able to look at this stuff. So um, we've got our transactional page and that's like, you know, one that we're wanting um, people to go through and be able to buy. But of course, 98% of the time, people don't go out and look for that. They're like, you know, scoping out that for, um, thinking back to our earlier slides. So having internal links like that are like both informational or, or um, you know, commercial sort of intent um, is a really, really good way of saying like, yes, these are all relevant to one another, but I'm going to have them internally link um, to these, these main pages. So um, we sort of like thought when we're, when we're building this out, um, Again, not going too crazy because, um, like, but just having like a bit of a, like, a, a, like, a, like, just having four pages. So, like, if I have a transactional, um, like page, I'm going to have three pages, um, of different, like, types of intent that all link back to that. So, that's a really, really nice way of, like, making sure that every single page, um, has been heard in some way. Um, and again, because, like, we can, we can be able to see that, um, semantically that they are um, within the same like entity relationship to one another, it's going to make it a lot more likely that when Google starts to see, um, be able to crawl and be able to understand this um, and it starts to reward us, well, all of that is going to start to become rewarded. Like that's really the, the logic that, because like assessing where priority goes, like search engines are rewarding you by indexing favorably, like your, your transactional content and then prioritizing by creating content and in, internally linking these um, to the transactional pages. Um, we're really wanting to see um, some really, really good relationships. And again, this is just like a really nice way of approaching this and just kind of like breaking it down and just being like, all right, um, like we need to have some structure here. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got a topic cluster with transactional pages, and each transactional page has mm. supporting commercial and informational pages um, that potentially push traffic people up from those pages because they don't necessarily search for transactional stuff and also helping yeah. Google group things. M machines like patterns mm. and they, machines like groups and Google, oh, is a machine. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you didn't know it. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I like like I, I love I love you adding your your thoughts here. Um you you know, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> and now we're back to dogs again. Dog supplies, dry dog food and wet yes. dog food. <laughs> Hence why I was like, you know, um I'm like a lot of this I'm gonna be using because I own a dog. But um again, like for audio listeners, I've just got another slide here that's basically just breaking this down with an example. So if you're really not sure of what I'm talking about, um, this basically goes through and says like, okay, like with um, dry dog food, for example, if that's like my, um, like, a, like a transactional page, like it's a subcategory page from maybe like dog supplies, um, you know, what are the types of um, related supporting contents do I want to have like to be able to internally link that which is like recognized as part of that entity. So, you know, is dry dog food better um, for dog's teeth? That's a nice little like commercial type intent um, um, to be able to link to that. Or um, how to get your dogs to eat dry foods. Um, or what age can puppies eat dry, um, dry dog foods as like that kind of like scoping of the discovery. So again, it doesn't necessarily have any commercial um, interest, but again, from a discovery, like I'm just wanting to know some quick answers about that because, um, you know, it's super relevant. And if I am now like, oh, okay, like actually I, I see on that page some really, really great content on that. Ah, there's internal links that point me back to um, that main category page. It makes a ton of sense. But again, it's just approaching this um, kind of concept in a, in a um, methodical kind of way of, of, of looking at this stuff. Yeah. Wonderful. No, no, if, if I may just paint a small picture next to the slides is when – uh, Nick is is trying to read what's written on her screen. She has to peer at it very, very closely. It makes me feel <laughs> slightly better about the fact that I do that every time I'm giving a presentation. <laughs> and I always thought, oh, how shameful. But now I feel slightly less ashamed of myself. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, um, my eyesight at this hour of the morning is not great. <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, it's <laughs> like that for me all day long. So, okay, I do now feel a little bit more ashamed. One o'clock in the morning for Nick. Yeah. Eyesight's going. Yeah. What's happening next? Yeah. So um, again, like now, like you've like let's say like like you know hypothetically you've gone through you've been able to implement that or um, you're you're wanting to sort of assess your site and sort of see what it looks like at the moment. Um, I really I really love um, Screaming Frog. Um, I use it like all the time, um, and I think that this is a really, really great way just to kind of like get a sense of like okay, like with with my pages that are really important to me, um, how well is my internal link structure and I guess internal link structure um, actually look when, when we're considering this on the site? So um, this is like with the force directed crawl diagram, um, it's up there in the top menu. So after you've crawled it, you can be able to now have a look at a, a, a nice visual overlay of um, how your how your pages look from um, an authoritative um, perspective. So um, for this, like, yeah, I've just kind of like written here. <laughs> um, you know, Screaming Frog it can be configured, and you can use um, Ahrefs um, as a, a way to also like give yourself, um, you know, their their ratings as to you know, how well these pages are. Are done. So, you know, how many in links are like how many internal links are pointing to these pages? Um, how many external links are, um, are, are pointing um, to these pages as well? It's just a really, really nice way of consolidating this pretty quickly. Well, okay. I and mean, you can crawl it, and Screening Frog obviously knows the internal site and it can give you the relative authority of pages within the site. You add Ahrefs to the mix and it can pull in the external signals. Then you get a really good view of, of quite how powerful, in inverted commas, a page might be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I was re-explaining what you just said just to clarify my own brain, <laughs> to be honest. No, I love that. I love that. Ooh, Ooh. assessing performance, Google Analytics and Search Console, screenshot yeah. of 
a search console and an analytics with the mm -hmm. data, the, the, the words blacked out so we can't see who it is. Yeah, so in Google Analytics, um, like, okay, so just like being able to assess the performance of these pages, um, like it's it's good to sort of like have a bit of a benchmark of where you were before and where you are after the fact. So um, in Google Analytics, um, I like to look at your landing pages by page view and just sort of take those landing pages and see um, in Search Console now to view all the keywords that Google has associated with those pages. So um, when, we, when we've done this, like we've seen like a nice little uptick um, or it's just kind of like remained a little bit the same, but in Search Console, it's given us a little bit more information about like um, how search engines are interpreting these pages. So um, in Search Console, what we want to see is like, you know, keywords are that of what Google identifies as your, um, as the keywords that it's starting to see about those pages. So again, thinking back to like, um, you know, picking out your primary keywords and your secondary keywords, um, you can be able to see what that looks like there. And um, again, um, like this is actually a, a page where it has been um, applied. Um, and um, it's really, really interesting because like, um, the primary keyword is is there, and we're, we were super happy about it. But it's actually our secondary keyword that actually had a better click through rate. <laughs> so so go figure. Um, but it's it's really really great because um, search engines have gone through and be able to see these pages and um, basically said like like this is. Um, the most relevant. And the way that we started to see this was um, the secondary keywords started to like, you know, um, start to rank for that. And, um, you know, it, it just took a little bit of time to get there. But um, now we, that we've been able to like, you know, hear our, our primary um, keyword, it's been really quite nice. So um, again, you can get a page that's quite successful that ranks really well for your secondary keywords with less volume. Um, you know, it still gets page views, impressions, and traffics, clicks, and click-through rate, um, and essentially like 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 ROI because um, you know it's it's still going through and it's still relevant because it's still within that entity. So um, you know, either way, it, it's a like a nice little win. Groovy. Mm. And the next one. Yes. All right. So this is now we're getting into the caveats. <laughs> Right, okay, we've right. got the caveat. It depends. If you're looking to change URL yeah. strings and redirect, this part isn't for everybody. Oh, is it scary? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I actually had to put this in there because I was talking to um, not a client, but actually a lead. And when I was going through this and just sort of like talking conceptually, um, I had to catch up with her maybe, what, like three days later? Yeah. Um, she and, um, Oh, no, no, sorry, not three days. It was like a week later. Um, time is anyway. Um, and what she had taken from like a, just like a quick little throw out kind of um, like a bit of uh, like advice around um, this sort of stuff was she went through and like basically just changed all of the URLs and added in what she thought was a better keyword into her URL and then mm -hmm. redirected to that URL. So um, massive caveat, if you're looking at, at wanting to you know, sort of incorporate this into your site, when it comes to doing redirects and things like that, um, like have a look at the performance of those pages. If, if there's never really historically been any, um, any uptick or it's just really not um, taken off at all, um, then like, you know, like you can do it. But I feel like just um, looking at the metadata first, looking at the H1 first, um, looking at um, you know, just optimizing the the content on that page, really making sure that it actually um, matches the search intent um, and adds value to the user. I mean, the content people like to jazz it up, but it, like at the end of the day, like if it, if it's not meaningful, if it's kind of hard to read, or it's just kind of bled over like a, a really long sort of like winded thing, and it doesn't answer the question very succinctly. Um, chances are people aren't going to like that experience either. So um, I think. Um, I'm putting this in there as, you know, don't take this and just go and like redirect all of your URLs to things that you think um, look more pretty. <laughs> because I, again, like I think in having internal links are just, uh, just as powerful, if not more powerful. So, right. Well, I'm, what I hear there is, is several things. One of which is um, reorganizing a site is a major undertaking. Don't do it um, just off the bat because you think you can get away with it. Um, get professional help. 
Um, and secondly, the the idea that you can just imagine how it should be organized off the top of your head because you're some kind of genius who's understood your entire audience and market uh, instinctively is probably rubbish, is almost certainly rubbish. You need supporting data to be able to actually know what you have to do. Thirdly, if it isn't going to give you a big payback, you're probably best just optimizing improving what you already have and making sure it answers these intents even without moving it it's still going to bring you great benefit and the added benefit from actually moving it is a question of data a question of resources a question of you know do you really want to kill your business because moving a site migrating a site can kill your business yeah absolutely and that, that was that a good caveat very, that was <laughs> yeah <laughs> and very well um very well um succinctly um summarized <laughs> Right. Um, and, th and that really um, lends very nicely to the next slide, which is basically, um, you know, like key problems with site architectural um, like layouts and um, again, site migrations and things like that. Like when people make this stuff, like they, they're already starting with a bit of a flawed logic and um, just sort of like have just layer upon layer upon layer. Um, and when you're going through, you're like, oh my gosh, like to be able to even just find like the, um, the product page at the end, like I had to click like six times, like yeah. just kind of absurd. Um, again, just trying to trying to like you know make it really really nice and simple. Um, and you know like it's just the things I see all the time is like either just no consideration um, to SEO or scalability, um, or it's completely over engineered to the fact that um, you know to the point where it's just kind of um, almost like strangled. <laughs> So right. um, one thing yeah. about scalability is uh, my ex-wife is a graphic designer and, and she talks about infinitely uh, adaptable. But it's the same thing about scalability. And basically, it's infinitely scalable in that anything you want to add to your site should immediately have in your brain a place it goes totally logically. Yeah. If it doesn't, if you, if you think, oh, if I start doing that in a year's time, where will I put mm -hmm. it on the site? And there's nowhere for you to put it on the site. Your site's probably not going to scale. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, I'm sure you see it. Like I see it all the time, like with newer sites, they start for like 20 pages. And once they get yep. to a hundred pages, they're like, I have no idea how to handle or organize this information mm. anymore. Like if you're conducting like a site migration and looking to change your URL structure from like flat to silo or content merging or merging sites together, it's really hard to know what direction to go in that makes sense from both a user's perspective and like one that's easily accessible and understandable for search engines. So um, most are either not thought through um, and yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like a little bit of a misconception. I think that the CMS ties the URL structure to how the, the, the nav menu is going to look. And um, you know, that's a little bit of a fiction there. I think like, um, you know, you don't have to have um, like if, yeah, <laughs> Well, the nav, the nav menu doesn't necessarily the nav menu doesn't necessarily reflect the um, structure of the site itself, the categorization, mm -hmm. the ontologies, as you said. Um, and I think that's an important distinction to make. You, you can have a structural site and actually mm -hmm. have the nav menu represent the site the site slightly differently depending on mm -hmm. the the your users, your audiences' preferences and needs and priorities. Um, whereas the site structure is there to organize the content so that you can maintain it, Google can understand yeah. it, and that if a human being comes in and tries to change the URL themselves by hand, theoretically, if you've done a good job, they can just change it by hand and they will probably find category name, change it for another category name, and you still come across something you would expect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I might and be overdoing sure. it now, actually, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, for humans, like, to, to navigate a site and... Um, you know, make sure that like it makes a lot of sense to have a structure where they see a category and then they see subpages. Like just because it lives in the way of the navigation doesn't necessarily mean how the URL structure has to be. So brilliant. Yeah. And you want to organize your site structure according to semantics. We've got one and a half minutes left before we hit the hour. That's been absolutely amazing. And oh, thank you for your time was the last slide. I made a great guess that that was the last slide. Thank you for your time, Nick Ranger, at one o'clock in the morning in Australia. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, it's now two. Um, if you oh, want to be point. able to find me after this, um, you can find me on Twitter at SnickRangerSEO or on LinkedIn or um, at StudioHawk. So either one of those, um, yeah, I will um, figure out where to put these slides and 
Jason, thank you so well, much. We'll, we'll, ha- we'll definitely have them on the podcast site for the people who were uh, listening and not watching. This was an experiment to see what happened. If anybody listens to the podcast and thinks, didn't understand a word of it, that was completely impossible <laughs> to follow, please do ping me on Twitter and tell me, rubbish idea, didn't work out, and I will accept all responsibility and apologize to everybody publicly next week, and we'll never do this again. Thank you very much for an amazing presentation. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Next week, we've got Teodora Petkova, who's going to be talking about weaving the web of people, content, and data, which is a really, really complicated title, and it could go horrendously, philosophically, interestingly, rabbit holy. Um, and I'm looking Wonderful. forward to that with great uh, looking forwardness. Thank you very much, Nick. <laughs> a quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Nick. And thank you to the audience, audio and video. Thank you so much, Jason and Nick, says Peter Mead. We love you, Peter. Love you too, Nick. That was wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much.